All right, your leaders will meet you out there. R is for reflect. Now, let's reflect on today's scripture from the books of Matthew and James. First, from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 19 through 20. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And from the book of James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Grace, for uh, reading that with us today. Uh, hey, everybody, in here, out there, and everywhere, um, I want you to know I love you all. I'm so glad to be with you today, and uh, I, I, want to feel, I need to fill you in on something. Um, the General Conference of the United Methodist Church is usually held every four years. Uh, this global gathering was originally scheduled for 2020, and, of course, COVID happened, right? And so it was delayed once, delayed twice, and the announcement just came out a few days ago. Uh, that it's going to be delayed now until 2024. Now, back in 2020, there was sort of a general consensus that the United Methodist Church was going to become two denominations, and local churches would uh, decide which one they wanted to be a part of, but that's not going to happen this year. And uh, so we'll see what happens. In a way, I'm kind of relieved. But in another way, I wonder if it's healthy to keep delaying things. We'll see. In the meantime, our mission is to, keep, is to carry on with Jesus' mission of helping more and more people come to know him and, and uh, belong to him and become his disciples. Let's pray. Uh, oh, Lord, our God, we put our trust in you. Faith Westwood is your church, and you never abandon your people. So, Lord, unite us, lead us by your spirit, feed us with your word, engage us in your mission. Lord, we will follow you wherever you lead. Jesus, we pray by the authority of your name, and all God's people said, amen. You know, a lot of times I meet couples, you know, before their wedding. We have a few sessions together. And, and uh, sometimes on some of the sessions, um, I'll ask them to reach across their chairs to each other and join hands. And then I pray over them. Pray a blessing over them as they prepare to enter into this covenant in their wedding. Now, what difference does my prayer make? I don't know. I hope that they will experience God's presence, God's blessing upon them, experience God's gentle guidance in the direction of their lives. 
Maybe, though, that they won't experience the impact of that prayer until a later time. But I trust that God will use that prayer for good. This is our fourth Sunday in our eight-week series called The Prayer Course. Um, and anyway, Thursday evening, I was, I was driving back to the church office. Matter of fact, I was going to meet another couple that are planning to get married. Anyway, I came up to a stoplight and pulled up behind a car, and it was a van with Nebraska plates, and it had four letters on it, P-R-A-Y. I thought, how cool is that? You know, and then I see it during our prayer series, too. So anyway, I want us to review what this outline is that uh, you've already heard parts of it, okay? Um, pause and be still in God's presence. Rejoice with a psalm and reflect on a scripture. Ask God for what we need. Yield to God's will, come what may. So this is a guide for a personal prayer time. It's not the only guide you could have, but it's a good one, right? Uh, today, uh, we're going to focus on ask like we did it last week as well. To, last Sunday, we looked at petition, which is asking God to help us. Uh, today, we're going to look at intercession, which is asking God to help others. Now, this word intercede or intercession creates a picture of standing between two people and then kind of be the connector between them, all right? Um, I, uh, last year, I got to go to a, a few uh, criminal court hearings with, for a friend, and, and the attorney for the defendant interceded on the client's behalf before the judge. And we do something a little like that when we pray for someone. When we intercede, we stand between God and that person, and we speak on their behalf. For example, let's say you've got a friend who's recovering from an illness, and you're praying to God to, to speed their recovery. You are interceding. You are standing between them and God, asking God to send healing grace upon them. Now, I want to share with you the heart of today's message about intercession. It's very simple. Here it is. Amazingly, God lets good things flow to others when we simply ask him. Did you know that? I mean, it's kind of shocking that it could be so simple. Now, we cannot measure the impact of our prayers. We can't, excuse me, we can't qualify intercession uh, and quantify it, but we find this truth over and over in Scripture. We find it over and over in people's personal experience through, of Jesus' people through the ages. Um, so let's say this together, shall we? Amazingly, God lets good things flow to others when we simply ask him. Wednesday, I had lunch with a few other pastor friends of mine, different denominations, um, we meet every month for pizza and to pray for each other. I mean, what's not to love about that, right? This, this meeting is a high priority on my calendar. Every time we meet, I believe God's grace is flowing. Good things begin happening. 
back in the 1700s, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, boldly said, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. Well, even if that's 90% true, even if 90% of what God does is in answer to prayer and the 10% he comes up on his own, I don't know, but then how vital are your prayers? If you believe that, that there are things that God wants to do but will only do when people pray, what would you suddenly start praying for? Many of us are reading the, the book, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People by Pete Gregg. And I was thinking the other day, just what we need, another Pete. <laughs> we already have four of them running around wearing these tie-dyed capes. I was thinking, well, maybe we should send Pete Gregg an honorary cape. Huh? Good idea? All right. Anyway, at the beginning of the chapter on intercession, Pete Gregg says, and, and notice how he inserts the word sometimes. Sicknesses can sometimes be healed, curses broken, churches revived, communities shaped, catastrophes prevented, governments redirected, and the future formed by the simple power of intercessory prayer. I'd like to share with you a Zoom conversation that I had a few days ago with Brian Stoby. A lot of you will recognize his name because he's been on our prayer list a lot over this last year. This, this video that you're going to see is nearly eight minutes long, so just so you can settle in and be prepared. Let's watch. Uh, hi, everybody. I want to introduce to you my friend Brian Stoby, uh, part of our faith family at Faith Westwood. And uh, Brian, for the last almost a year, you have uh, been dealing with a very serious illness. You want to tell us about what that is and um, what, you're, what you started to go through? It was about this time last year when I started feeling not so good. Wasn't exactly sure what was going on. Um, but I ended up getting sicker and sicker over the course of a few months, but it got to the point in May, I think it was, that uh, I ended up going to the emergency room a few times just because of pain, and, and they couldn't come up with any reasons as to what it was. Um, I eventually ended up in the hospital in May, uh, was there for about seven weeks in, in all. It took them that long to figure out what was wrong, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so during that time, it was pretty tough because um, you know that you're getting sicker, you're kind of melting away. I dropped about 40 pounds during that time, maybe almost 50. Um, mm. It was COVID, so we were really restricted on, the only person I really got to see was, was Beth. I couldn't see my babies, couldn't see my kids. Yeah. Um, that weighs on you heavily, especially when you don't know what's going on. Got to a point where I, I was, pretty much saying goodbye to everybody because I, there just wasn't any answers um, until it was the end of June, 1st of July, they had determined that uh, what my problem was, was a form of leukemia that is usually found in, in younger men. Yeah, um, yeah. 
and it's called um, large T-cell um, lymphoma with, that is alkaline positive. All of my lymph nodes were getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they were starting to overtake my organs and my body. Uh, they were protruding out of my face, out of my neck, out of my chest, everywhere. Um, but it took a while for that to get to that point, obviously. Um, they took some lymph nodes out of the back of my head, out of my armpit, tested them, determined that, that this is what the problem was. So did they tell you, like, how serious is this? What did they um, say? It was pretty serious. He, he just said straight up that um, you have stage four, pushing stage five cancer. It's lymphoma. Um, right now, you maybe got about a 30% chance. But all that said, I, I believe that we can beat this. And sitting there in the hospital for two months, um, looking for an answer to something, uh, believe it or not, getting that diagnosis was actually relief compared to what we had been going through. Which was not knowing, right? Not knowing is the worst thing in the world. And terrible pain and, and uh, you know, weakness, loss, weight, just everything. Yes, and, and to watch it affect your family, my kids. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the one story, the one vision that I can't ever get out of my head, among others, was the I had to have my son Brady take me to the hospital, ended up in the ER, and, and the pain was getting to the point where I just told Brady, I said, look, you, you got to go because no, I don't care if you're 23 years old or not, you shouldn't see your daddy hurting like that. He refused to leave, of course, but it got to the point where I literally ended up on the floor in the emergency room praying to God to just mm. w w whatever you got to do, make it stop. Tears pouring yeah. down my face. You know, I felt pain before. I, I physically... Mentally, I felt pain before, but where I was at that moment, um, I, I've never felt that before. Well, I know that, you know, in the fall, then you had fundraisers and, uh, you know, people supporting you. Well, and, and of course, people here at, our, at Faith Westwood were praying for you, other people uh, as well, everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like to know that you had an army of people praying for you? Um, in, in a simple word, it's humble. Uh, it's very humbling. Um, I belonged to churches before. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've honestly had this on-off thing with with God, not not with God, but with church. I guess is a good way to put it. Um, I've never not believed. I've, I, but from the church standpoint, um, one of the most gratifying things throughout all of this was. The support from the church and not so much i mean the the, the prayers you I, I don't think i'd be here without the support that i've received from from everybody at church but also all of those in my in my world right the support that that has given beth is my life has been um you, you, it made a difference for her and that made a difference for me um, the relationships that she's gained through through uh, quite a few people there at church, and I get a little jealous because she's pointing people out, saying, "Well, they're so and so, they're so and so." And I'm like, uh, "Well, I, I, yeah, I think I remember. I don't think I ever doubted prayer. Um, I just didn't know that um, 
so many people in so many people that you don't know that they can have such a positive effect on what's going on in your world and, and it definitely did has god given you any kind of sign or just sort of an inner assurance through all this that 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 saying like brian you're going to get through this yes uh multiple ways okay um, you get angry at god sometimes mm -hmm. um that's hard to justify um but the one thing that i have learned to do is appreciate the fact that it's okay to be angry but yeah. Yeah. In, in doing so, what you realize is that there's so many blessings that you didn't figure on, that you didn't see coming, um, that from a day-to-day -day basis, you just, you don't consider, but it's there every single day for every single one of us. Beth and the kids, all of them, you know, you've got a, such a wide range of age of kids in your life, and but it's just, you have got a great family. What a blessing. I. Uh, I'm, I'm very lucky. Um, I wouldn't give up anything for what I have, yeah, good or yeah. bad at this point. It, it's all been very good. And you know, part of, the, part of what we've prayed for for you, I think, has been answered with the strength that God has given Beth. Can you say something about that? Um, I don't know if I can. Um, Beth is a, a, she's an amazing woman. She's an amazing mother. And she is an amazing member to the church, I think, and, and wants to do more. Thank you for sharing with us today, Brian. And uh, I appreciate uh, you. It was great to see you in church last Sunday, too. Good to have you back. Yes, sir. It's good to be back. Um, I think I saw some Stoby kids up here earlier. Are you here, the Stoby family? Yeah, Brian and Beth. Yeah, others. Thank you. In Matthew 18, verse 19, Jesus says, If two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, that is quite a promise. Does he literally mean anything? You know, I think it's always good to, to look at the context of a verse like this. Uh, I, I would not say that Jesus is signing a blank prayer check. You know, here it is. Prayer is still always about linking our wills to God's will. Now, on this occasion, Jesus is talking about helping a sister or brother in Christ who has fallen into sin. And, and maybe even suffering the harmful effects of that sin. And you are praying for this person because you love them. And you don't want to see their heart hardened against God. And you can be assured that when you pray, God will be at work in this person's heart and mind. They may resist it, but God is not going to give up. God will keep at it. Amazingly, God lets good things flow to others when we simply ask him. You know, many of us are learning how to be a blessed friend uh, with people that we know who don't yet know Jesus. And, and as blessed friends, one of the things we do for them, the be a bless is what? Begin with prayer. 
And so we pray that God will be working in their hearts. We know that, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. A lot of times it can be slow. Uh, and, but God's grace is flowing. And we can expect, we can look forward to seeing things happening. James, the brother of Jesus, says that if you're sick, you should call for the elders of the church to come and, and pray for you. And uh, who would be the elders of our church? Well, I think you could, we don't, that doesn't have to be official. That can just be like people that you know and respect and would love to have them come pray for you. And so I would say don't be afraid to ask. Ask for people to come pray for you. If you want, uh, people can lay hands on you or join in a circle with you. Uh, and, but somehow when we are together, the presence of Jesus is made vivid among us. A couple days ago, I, I talked and prayed with uh, one of our people in, over the phone. And, uh, oh, maybe not quite as good as if I was there in person, but God was there, right? And God used it, and I believe that every prayer adds something to the work of grace in this world. James 5.15 makes this bold claim. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Now, I like this verse, but it can also be very hard to hear. Because we've all prayed for a sick person who did not get well, haven't we? But I want you to know that James, James's letter is written in the style of Jewish Proverbs. There are a lot of comparisons between the Old Testament book of Proverbs and the New Testament book of James. And so I would see this as more of a proverb than a promise. And a proverb is about what is generally true, what usually happens, not about what always happens. Even the Apostle Paul, who had witnessed many miracles, he prayed one time for God to take away his painful thorn in his flesh. Didn't happen. Now, miracles do happen, but they don't always happen, and I would even say they don't usually happen. I mean, if, if mind-blowing miracles were a part of everyday life, they wouldn't blow our minds anymore, would they? We, we would just see them as normal way things are, and you could go and climb up on, an, on your icy roof and not worry about falling down and breaking your leg because you could just call over your friends who would pray for you. You'd be better by supper. But that isn't the way life works, is it? Whatever we ask for, must align with the heart of God. It must be something that God is willing and eager to give, and he's waiting for you and I to ask. A few years after Jesus' resurrection, his friend Simon Peter was in prison for telling people about the Lord. Acts 12, 5 says, Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So, while they're interceding at this all-night prayer meeting, Peter is awakened by a heavenly messenger and, and led out of prison and led through the streets of Jerusalem and to the house where his friends are gathered. He knocks, and when, when they open the door, they are shocked to see Peter there. Sounds like us, doesn't it? We pray and pray and pray for something, and then we're surprised when it happens. 
And yet, we also know that right before, not long before Peter's miraculous release, one of the other disciples, James, was beheaded. Now, I'm sure the sisters and brothers were praying for him too. Why did God save Peter and not James? I don't know. I leave it to the mysteries of God. But I do know that Jesus predicted that his followers would suffer, that they would be persecuted. And it's in our suffering that we shine most brightly for him. You know, there is a lot I do not understand about prayer. For example, uh, does it make a difference how many people are praying for the same thing? You know, will God do more if 100 people are praying than if 10 people pray? Possibly. Sometimes. I'm not sure. I mean, it certainly can't hurt, right? There, and yet, there is more mystery than math when it comes to prayer. I mean, prayer is not about simple calculations of how many people prayed to make it effective. You know, for me, a lot of times, the limiting factor for me in, in intercessory prayer is not how much my faith is. I mean, Jesus said God can do a lot with a little bit of faith. Even his disciples, he said, yeah, you have little faith, but he still, they were still his disciples. For me, the limiting factor is not so much faith. It's more likely to be love. It's, it's more likely to be my limited ability to care enough for people to be praying for them and to keep praying for them. And so I often have to ask God to give me the love that I need to be that kind of intercessor. And I also find that, you know, if I've got the big, long, weak church prayer list, you know, I don't try to take it all in one chunk, you know, spread it out through the day, through the week, whatever, so that my heart can be in it. But here's what we do know. Will you say it with me one more time? Amazingly, God lets good things flow to others when we simply ask him. And so now we're going to move into the ask portion of our worship. Our, our bishop, Reuben Sines, has written a prayer based on Psalm 91 for us to use today to pray for Ukraine. Uh, those of you who are uh, worshiping in person, did you get the card uh, when you came in? A lot of you did. And uh, I also put it up on the screen if it's easier for you to read there or for those of you at home so you can pray with us. Let's pray. Loving God of all peoples and nations, hear us when we call you, answer our prayers, and show us your salvation. We unite in prayer with people of faith throughout the world for a swift end to the war in Ukraine. We pray for the men, women, children, and families fleeing their homes in fear because of the terror and destruction that wastes their communities and way of life. Be their shelter, a strong refuge and fortress. Cover them with your pinions and give them refuge under your wings. 
Send forth and give your angels charge over the dissenting voices, delegations, leaders, and governments that speak out for peace and seek an end to war, granting them success. With your spirit, lead your churches to be agents of spiritual and temporal comfort, hope, and strength. Christ of all peoples and nations, Prince of Peace, for the sake of your sorrowful passion, hear our prayer and have mercy on us and on the whole world. Your reign of endless peace, justice, and righteousness come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.